G'day, today we are joined by CEO advisor, founder and CEO of Lockstep and a leadership practitioner, Rowan Belchers. Rowan allows us to take a turn away from sport for a bit and get deep into leading and developing leaders. Of course, Rowan did in fact play rugby at school and is an avid sports fan, so there's still a fair bit of sport to whet the appetite. What we wanted to know from Rowan was how to decode leadership, how to develop it, both within yourself and within teams. Rowan has plenty of years of experience, which makes the conversation both easeful and useful, as he truly knows his craft. I love listening to his stories and anecdotes, his excellent ability to ask great questions that get you thinking, as well as how he and Kyle even equate parenthood to leadership. I've no doubt that you'll enjoy the depth of insight, as well as come away asking yourself some pretty important questions. Enjoy. Kyle, how's it going? Nice to see you again. Good afternoon, Tom. Week five, eh? Who would have thought? <laughs> um, we, we're still going and it's, um, it's wonderful to be here. I really enjoyed the last few weeks and it's great uh, to be here with you, Rowan. Um, we've come a long way. Um, I think, I don't use the word lightly, I think I've acted as a, a mentor for me and someone who's helped me a lot in my career. And I know that you and Kyle have met along the way as well and really, really privileged to have you on board. Thank you. Thank you both. I'm super happy to be here. Um, I really like value both of what you guys bring to the conversation, um, uh, both in your technical capacity and just as good people. So looking forward to some good conversation and I hope my banter is as good as your guys. As an older man, I think it might not be, but I'll try my best. So the banter actually comes, uh, is a little backseat com- uh, as far as the conversation goes. So don't stress too much. Okay, thank you. Relief. I, I think it's, you know, Rowan, we, we've obviously had sports coaches and sportsmen so far. Um, and you as a CEO, advisor, business owner, um, I don't want to downplay completely your sporting prowess because I know that you were... Um, where well, you played Craven Week at school, and then a border and a 13 hockey player as well. So a, a sportsman par excellence. Yeah, I um, as I said to you, the, the border hockey wasn't overly successful. The Craven Week was a little bit more successful in Western Province area. Um, but we did lose to Transvaal in the final by one point, which I've never really uh, gotten over, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, no just... shame in that, huh? No shame. James Dalton was my opposing hooker. That's the only solace I can find. Oh, wow. Were you a hooker? I so, was, Carl. Six, six foot four. Not cheap advisable. Tallest hooker on the planet. Planet. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, um, we'll see. Maybe your, your throwing skills and your, your drag flick skills will come through in this conversation. But, Ryan, you know, as we said, you, you, you spend a lot of time working with leaders across the globe, done some amazing work, and still continue to do some amazing work. In your mind, what is leadership? It's used so often. What, what is leadership? Uh, leadership, Tom, for me, is having the um, will to take a stand on something that you feel matters to you and to be willing to have a followership that share in the same thing, simply. And I thought a lot about that that answer over the years because leadership actually isn't a great term. It's a bit sort of abstract and it makes people a little bit fearful about leading. Hmm. But all a leader has to do is care about something or care about making something happen or stopping something from happening. And there's a 
a lot of examples, especially in the US right now, about leadership actually not being about starting something, but about stopping something. So that side of leadership is very important, especially when it comes to social issues. Rowan, you just at the start of your, your answer there, you said that um, a le- leadership is about taking a stand on something that you feel strongly about. What do you think it is that empowers people to take that stand? What do you think it is that gives them, that differentiates one person from the next? You know, I believe in something, you believe in something, but you're the one who steps up and essentially leads. Yeah, I think it's self-belief, which is such a sad thing, Kyle, because many people in the world if you just take their parenting, for instance, they're not, they don't grow up with that self-belief being instilled in them. And so that for me is, you know, that can take away from this. uh, It's not an urge to lead, but it's like a, it's like a willingness to take the first step. And I think unless you believe in yourself and unless you've got an identity of some story that you tell about yourself that says, I can do this, Generally, that person, male, female, old, young, smart, not smart, will not take that step toward leading. So I actually think we've got a lot to, if we are leaders, I think we have to, at some point, be really grateful for the ecosystem that we grew up in, whether that was parenting, schooling, churching, whatever. But that ecosystem does a lot to develop the identity and the message that just says, I can and I will, and I'm going to. Sure, I like. I feel like there's a whole bunch of questions leading off that. I have. I have one where you were, where Tom was asking about you doing work around the world. Is there is there a culture? Is there a a country? Is there a geographical region where you found that kind of ecological system that you're talking about that develops that kind of self belief uh, more prevalent than another? My answer is disappointingly going to be no, but actually the upside of that is that I find leadership is such a simple human thing. It's not a complex topic. Well, it is a complex topic, but it's not a complex idea. Um, And I have found leadership showing up in so many different ways um, at an appearance level globally, but with no difference at an essential level. So once you get past the uh, 23-year-old female um, turban-wearing Indian from Rajasthan compared to a swashbuckling American CEO in suit and tie, the essential stuff that make those two people leaders is exactly the same. And that's what I find really heartening about leadership because it just makes it open to everyone and there's no special source there's no i mean as tom will know i boil leadership down to three pieces three elements character skills and knowledge and the character piece does not change across humanity or geography or region or political leaning it is the same core stuff which is as i say really encouraging at a at a fundamental level yeah Mm. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've really I, I, I should I should say yeah. So, sorry, Tom. I should just say one qualifier at the beginning of this podcast, which is that I'm an out and out optimist about leadership, and <laughs> and I think it is available to everyone. Anyone can do it. It can be taught. That's my narrative about leadership. I think it's important to acknowledge that there are other narr- narratives that don't 
see it the way I see it and aren't quite as optimistic about it. And that's fine too. But I, I think for the, for the good of the listeners, I, I want to acknowledge my bias right up front around leadership being very, very doable and possible for anyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, Kyle was the national sevens captain, so I think you're right, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The place for everyone. (laughs) Um, Thanks, Tom. Appreciate that. No, no, no. We get on well. We get on well. Tom, Tom, just before we we, we go on, I don't know how this is going to really fit in, but I feel like this is maybe a selfish moment for me to jump in. Rowan, talking about this leadership and this accessibility, my, my mind immediately where I am right now goes straight to parenting. Like we have a three-year-old and a one-year-old at home. And sure, I mean, this, this is a fairly unprecedented time at the moment. And it's been challenging to say the least with, with especially the three-year-old where, where he's a little man. He doesn't understand the world around me. God, I don't even understand the world around me right now. But um, I'm feeling it like I'm feeling difficult, uh, challenging to, to lead him in the right direction at the moment. And I, I don't know if that's a self-belief thing, and it possibly is because parenting is also a very unknown world for me right now. But uh, I mean, what are the kind of things that I can, he's, again, he's three years old, but what are the kind of things that I can be saying to him to make sure that he's, you know, feeling that what you were talking about earlier, growing into that world of self-belief continuously? Mm. Whew, this is a big topic, huh? early childhood development and impact on leadership. Uh, long, long conversations we could have about that. Let, let, let me say this. Um, firstly, Kyle, uh, actually, I'll start with the story. So uh, one day or two day ago, t- days ago, my son had a Fanta and uh, his little mate came over from next door. And I said, Sam, can you offer your friend Tristan some Fanta? And clearly he didn't want to. And he was hoping Tristan would say no when offered Fanta. But of course, he said yes. And so Sam was crestfallen, but he gave him his Fanta, um, or half of it, I think. Um, What I said to him afterwards kind of struck me because I'd never said it before. I said, Sam, that's really good leadership you showed there. And obviously, my bias is to see the world through the lens of leadership. But what I didn't have in my in my youth, and I think no one did because leadership just wasn't a thing, is they didn't have parents using the word leadership. It wasn't really in the the parenting vocabulary. So I sort of surprised myself by saying, by by putting that in the conversation. So I think that's point one, is, is actually, if you want leadership to be within your child's remit, use the word leadership and maybe try and illustrate it now and again, even in simple childlike terms. Point two is, since we're talking about males, and I can't, I can't speak to female children yet, but I know what male children want to know in order to feel okay in the world is that they want to know they are going to be okay. They're going to be successful. Their mission in the world is going to come off. It's going to happen for them. So what I try and tell my son around that is, hey, brother, you're going to be okay. You're a good person. You're not going to be perfect, but you're going to have a good, you're going to live a good life, I think. I hope I, uh, and, um, and that seems to give him some sense of calm about, uh, just being in the world. And then the third thing I'd say is rather than explain to your son that, that you understand or don't understand the world 
is rather work with him on forming his own answers to the world. And I know at three and one, that's not going to be, you know, he's not going to be thinking about post-COVID South Africa, but he might be thinking about sharing and being kind and um, listening and discipline. And those things are all easily relatable to leadership, but he will have to find his own way. And I think that's the biggest gift that you can give and anyone can give a child is just to help them find their own answer and in do so and in doing so that kind of lends itself to leadership in a way. So it's it's a little bit funny to be having a conversation about leadership of about a one and a three year old, but I totally think it's doable and and advisable even maybe if that's what you as a parent believe in. Hundred percent. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. That uh, that was very, very useful. Appreciate that. Sorry. Cool. Well, I'm not, uh, I'm not the final word on parenting, but um, that might be food for thought at a minimum. <laughs> but but, but, but I, it does link nicely to what I was going to ask. You mentioned self-belief and the importance of self-belief in um, leadership. One of the things that I've got like, that sits in me, Ryan, is, is, is leadership accessible to, to a lot of people? What, what, what is the narrative that they tell themselves around, am I a leader, aren't I a leader? I don't even like calling someone a leader or not. I think that's, uh, that, that boundaries are too much. I, I think it's can I display leadership is probably a more useful thing. Uh, how, as a, as a self-proclaimed relentless optimist, how do you see that self-belief being grown in adults that you work with? Whether it's a guy who's playing rugby, whether it's a person running an organization, where do you see it working really well? Where have you seen it done really well? Whew, this is a big question. And the sport of boxing comes up for me. Um, and, uh, you know, w- when I see those weigh-ins and I see the banter or W or the UFC or any of those sports for that matter, my sense is that behind all that banter is a complete lack of self-belief and possibly even terror about going into the ring. So... Yes, self-belief for me is a really funny thing. Um, I, my view on self-belief is that when it's grounded and quiet and, and not loud and overspoken, that's real self-belief. But a lot of bluster can actually be made to look like self-belief. So at the beginning of this conversation or this question, I think we need to be clear about what's real self-belief and what's not real self-belief. Um, I think that it is a really hard thing to develop if you don't have it mm. or if you if you haven't been built with it, which many people aren't fortunate, fortunate enough to have been. And so when I hear about those people who've made good out of meager upbringings, I, I am so respectful for the work that they've done because I know they've done work that I've not had to do. I've had the you know proverbial by and large, silver spoon. Um, so self-belief, when I've seen role models of self-belief around me, is easy. But when you don't have self-belief and you don't have a good ecosystem of self-belief, I think that is that is really hard work. And it probably comes down to some kind of character that may be even wired into you uh, that is not a function of behavioral change. you just built with something. And I think some people are built with something really special. I think Sia... Sia was special, and I know he was your previous guest. He was probably special from the day he was born, even though he probably doesn't realize it. But but he had something in him. And I think those people can 
build self-belief or have self-belief from the get-go. But I think many people aren't able to get over a hurdle absent of some intervening thing like a school or a person or a mentor or a life experience. So I think self-belief, again, it's another topic we could spend a ton of time on. What do you think, Tom, around self-belief is the big question. If someone's listening to this, what, what do you think the question is that needs to be answered about self-belief? Is it as simple as how do I get it? Or is it as simple as how do I understand it better? You know, I, I'd be interested in your thoughts about that because I know you're thoughtful on the topic. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd started defining it. So for me, it's a, it can be put in the same bracket as leadership, you know, like you can say it becomes this ethereal thing that we want to get and we know we have to have because it's made, it's celebrated, but I don't know what it looks like. So I might be striving for something that I'm actually not that far away from, but I'm striving because I don't know what it is. And I'm modeling myself on, if I'm a young coach, I'm modeling myself on Mourinho and every little thing that I see Mourinho does and I don't do, I see this massive gap and I'm like, well, I might not be a good coach. But if I go, well, actually, maybe they're parts of what Mourinho has, I'm not far away, you know. So, so you go to your thinking around character, skill, and knowledge. Um, I suppose the skill and knowledge is easier to acquire, am I right? Like, I can go and I can get mentors and I can read and what have you. But the character part is where belief probably sits, becomes harder. So, I'd probably start by defining it and then... I'd probably be looking at, well, how can I write? I might not have the self-belief of Sir Alex Ferguson, Mourinho, Rassi Erasmus, but I can have a little bit more tomorrow than I had today by doing one or two yeah. things. And and I'd probably approach it in that, in that sense. Um, I don't know, Carl, what are your thoughts on that? I, I was just thinking now, like, w- would it be too simple to 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 condense it down to one question of, What's standing in my way? You know, I, I'm just trying to think of self-belief. The first thing about self-belief you were talking about, um, you know, either maybe you've got it in you or you don't, or you were born with it. or I mean, because that's, that's essentially what a lot of people talk about leadership. They're saying, oh, he was a born leader. or I don't, I don't fully believe that. I feel like you can create leaders. And if you're talking about the foundation of leadership being through self-belief, then what is standing in your way to stop you from believing in yourself? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. And just for your listeners, I just want to beat this drum one more time. There is no such thing as a born leader. It is an absolute fallacy of a comment, of a concept. It doesn't exist. Any leader, regardless of how talented or charismatic they are or are not, requires forging over an entire lifetime. And I use that word very carefully. A leader is forged. It is not built quickly. It's forged under fire, under pressure. That's when true leadership and true character is built. Carl, I would, I, I would um, add one question that goes before the what's standing in my way. And I think this is possibly at the core of where leadership starts. And it's certainly the question that I put to my CEO clients before anything, which is simply, what do you want? What do you want? And it's a very complex question to understand, actually, because, you know, a lot of them, they, they, I wrote an article about this on Sunday. A lot of the, the, the three um, answers I get are happiness, success, and peace. Those are the things that people generally want. But that's not the right answer. What do you want is a much bigger question with a capital W. 
what do I want? And uh, I think that's worth contemplating. Anyone listening to this now, the three or four of you out there, um, that, was, that was my attempt at humor, guys. Um, I was told I needed to banter. But I think that question is so fantastic to contemplate just in, in a life way because that's where leadership starts. Self-leadership is just as legitimate as team leadership or as nation leadership. There is no difference between how one engages with one's life path or with how one engages with the, the, the passage of a company over 25 years like a Jack Welch or someone. There is no difference. Leadership is leadership. It's about starting something toward what you are seeking for yourself or for the world or both. And I just want to come back to the heavyweight boxer um, analogy and bring, surprisingly, Taylor Swift into the conversation. Um, I watched a really, really great documentary on her. She's a very significant person, by the way. It's called The American Girl or something like that. It came out on Netflix two months ago. And she, th there was some issue that happened that she wasn't sure whether she should take a stand on. And the part of the documentary was her having composed a tweet. And then she, she was sitting there going, once I press this, I am in the firing line. And you could see her with the entourage around her going, three, two, one, press, bam. And then the issue exploded. And I want to be clear that leaders are nervous a lot. Anxiety and managing the inner self, the inner castle, that's a big deal. And so if anyone out there thinks that leadership is about surety and confidence, it is not. It is about wisdom and it's about choice and when to bring wisdom into your choices. And that's what Taylor Swift did. That's what um, any of these examples uh, Sia has done, Eric Simons has done. They've made choices about what they want based on wisdom. And if you had to ask me what leadership was, that's probably as close as I could get to a base definition. Mm. Um, yeah, I watched that documentary. It was a great documentary. You're right. Um, Rowan, we obviously... You, 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 sorry, you brushed over that very quickly, huh? Like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, by the way, I watched the Taylor Swift documentary. <laughs> yeah, great, great documentary, by the way. My wife made me know, no, no, it was actually good. It was good. <laughs> Not as good as the Coldplay one, but it was good. Um, so, so, so um, Rowan, we obviously... Practice is something that I've heard you speak about from a leadership point of view. Now, a lot of people listening, sport people, Kyle, you've practiced all your career. But tell me, I've heard character, skill, knowledge. I've heard make choices. I've heard self-belief. All of these big, con I've heard what do we want, uh, which I personally find a very difficult question to answer uh, in, some, in some aspects of my life. How do you practice this, Ryan? Sham, Tom's been wanting big muscles from his gym work for a long time, but they haven't come about yet, um, which is <laughs> awkward when you're on a um, slow and steady. But it's awkward when you're on a podcast with um, Kyle Guns of Stone Brown, um, just by way of comparison. But anyway, um, <laughs> we all play to our strengths Tom, in leadership. <laughs> yeah, we, we all play to our strengths. Tom, you know, uh, uh, yes, it's a good question. It depends on it depends on how how one's worldview is. So some people's view of the world and life is that you know don't overcomplicate over it. Life's got a path for you. 
um, get in the flow and do your best. And, and that's fine. You know, you can, I probably would have lived with a lot less anxiety if I was able to do that. But other people think that leadership is a life's work. And I do think that. I think leadership is literally a life's work. If you thought you could lead two months ago, in a, just this short space of time, I guarantee you your definition of leadership needs to have changed. And all of your wiring needs to have changed between now and the start of lockdown. So leadership is never static. And it is always on the move, which means that the leader, me, you, the both of you are on the move. So I think, Tom, unless you are willing to put in, not, not even willing, unless you are drawn to it, drawn to observing yourself, thinking about stuff, contemplating, you know, a life examined, I would say, is necessary for a leader. I can't really see a life unexamined working that well, but maybe that's my bias there. I don't think Greta Thunberg just appeared out of nowhere. I think she had great questions asked of her at a very young age, and I think her ecosystem was very wired to producing her. Could she have come out of a different place? I don't know, maybe. But, you know, what, what did Gandhi have? I don't know. I don't know how, about his family upbringing. But I, I think Tom leadership literally is an always on thing that takes always on application. I don't think it requires always on work because oftentimes rest and rejuvenation and new perspectives, that's all part of leadership too. But the application of oneself to one's life and one's leadership, I feel is uh, an always on process throughout life. And I see... I see the shape of leadership changing all the time, you know. Greta Thunberg's 19-year-old leadership or, you know, when she gets to that age will be different from my leadership to your leadership to an elder of the community leadership at age 75. That's still leading, but it requires different shaping, different messaging, different understanding, different inner wiring. So it's a long-winded answer to say that, yes, leadership does require practice. So can you tell me someone, or you don't have to name them, someone who, by virtue of a story of someone you've worked with, who's practiced and what they did and how it worked? Am I allowed to use you? <laughs> yes. You, you can. Yes. So it's a long practice, this. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I would say, Tom, that I... I experience you as, and I'm not trying to blow smoke here because I, your journey has neither been linear nor easy. Um, but I, I, I see you as someone who has really like been thirsty and committed to being a better self. Now, whether that's been intentional around leadership work or not, I don't know. But I have seen you apply yourself with big ups, big downs, big questions, Big left turns, big right turns, finding, which I believe you have now, roughly your place in the world where you want to lead and you lead, in my opinion, with really great skill and character. Business leaders, I'm working with someone right now who literally quakes when he sees the word leadership. He does not see himself as a leadership. He does not know how to lead. And in his opinion, he's never led before. He's totally wrong because he is a leader 
He leads all the time and he's actually really skillful at it. But this identity thing is, has kept him at bay from seeing himself as a leader. And, and the work I'm doing with him now is to say, I won't use his name, obviously, but, um, you know, you're already doing this. You've, your body of work is significant. What you need now to lead at your full potential is to fully embrace what you're doing, to recognize what you're doing, and to continue your path. So, you know, it's, I could give other examples. Let me just think quickly of an... So another leadership journey that I am, am on with someone is the opposite, where they have been too full of confidence about their leadership. And in their opinion, was done well, um, from my vantage point, was oversimplified, not done well at all. And it's been pulling that person back to say, hey, listen, we need some vulnerability and some fallibility here for you to become a leader. Because frankly, you're leading in a way where you are not seeing, by way of your blind spots, the collateral damage that you are causing. Mm -hmm. And so for that person, it's been a coming back to them, as opposed to my former example being stepping forward into their own leadership. So I don't know if I'm being a bit ethereal here. I want to make sure I'm being practical in order to meet the brief of making leadership accessible. Maybe you guys can steer me as to whether that's happening or not now. Yeah, I mean, I'd be interesting to know from Kyle, if you were to rewind four years and you were five years and you were captaining the blitz box and a, a guy like Rowan, you came across a guy like Rowan, what might be some of the questions you would have asked him? And then, Rowan, maybe I'll ask you, what might be some of the questions you would have liked to ask Kyle? Mm. So much of the focus especially in those last couple of years, was growing the leaders around us, you know? And at the, there was a time we were like, all right, who's, who's the next crop? And it, it became difficult. There was, at one point, it was difficult to find the next group of young players. Um, one, like, I, th I think maybe the first question, are there any simple and easy to implement tests that you could do within a environment? You know, something that, that would... I don't know, highlight a couple of uh, some really great attributes that, you know, those character attributes that you're talking about at the beginning. Um, again, you said skills and knowledge can be learned. So I think what we're trying to sift our chair is the, is the correct character. Is there, are there a couple simple tests that you could do um, that for you would, would, you know, pinpoint, well, this person might, might just have it? Yeah. Uh, I'll give you two answers and they're quite differing. Um, firstly, I would say, Kyle, when you, when you look for new leaders, it is crucial not to overly narrowly define what leader is, right? So you can have a guy that leads quietly by carrying the bags and you can have a guy that leads in a blustery way by making fiery halftime speeches. Both matter in a team. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. So what I would do is I wouldn't try to pick anyone as a future leader. I would open the space up and say, we have leadership opportunities. Who is interested in leading? Period. Knowing that the, um, <coughs> that the definition and the shape and form can be very different. Okay. And as an illustration of that, rather than you know, tests by way of assessment. I, I think there are two tests that allow for 
both forms of leaders to, to come out, the, the quiet and the blustery, as I mentioned. The one, the one is to lean into the question, and this is for the blustery leader of what, what do you want? And can that person answer that question with a good enough quality answer? What do you want? Okay. So that's for the outward facing leader. For the inward facing leaders, I would have a very different question because that question would be harder for them to answer, which would be, how well do you know yourself and how comfortable are, are you with yourself? Because that speaks to this, the, 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 the settled nature of character that a, a, a more quiet leader would lean into. They're not going to lean into the motivational side of leadership. They're going to lean into the steadying presence. And so the steadying presence, in my opinion, requires a person to know themselves well and to be comfortable with themselves. So it's a little bit of a... Um, an oversimplified answer, but but those are good tests for listeners out there just going, okay, let me try one or both of those answers on and see what I come up with. Yeah, I don't, and obviously this, yeah. The other the other thing for me is, is um, and I'm not sure if there's a question or just an observation, when, you know, obviously when you're trying to identify and put it out there that there are leadership opportunities and like you're saying, not to too narrowly define that role of leadership, is is obviously getting away of the, getting away from the bias that you have as to what a leader is. You know, if like you're saying, if I'm a big blustery leader, all I'm doing is looking for more of those. You know, um, again, like I said, I'm not sure if it's a question or observation, but I think we need to understand uh, or familiarize ourselves with the different kinds of leadership out there, and first be able to identify them. Before you know, we can start asking those questions. Yes, there are leadership opportunities out there because from the outset, if you haven't, you aren't able to identify all of them. You're already shutting out eighty percent of the candidates. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a really good, yeah, really good point. No, Carl, did did you have self belief as a leader? Uh. You know, Tom, such a bloody difficult question. <laughs> um, certain aspects, yes. Um, and I think for a big part of it, I surrounded myself with the right people, which uh, which allowed me to believe more in myself because of, uh, you know, having the correct people around me. But there were major chunks of the time where I, I didn't have the correct self-belief, I, I believe. I didn't uh, feel that I, I belonged on the field for a, long, a lot of it. And you know, that's also double-edged. There's a big part of it that, that kept me hungry, that kept me um, excited to keep going and, and doing more and making sure that I keep improving to justify my, my position in that team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did I did struggle from time to time with self-belief, but uh, it is something that you work on constantly. And I, there, there were also, again, I think we chatted about this in a previous episode, there were certain physical triggers and, and aspects of practice that I would cover first to make sure that I ticked those boxes, which would be part of the foundation to self-belief first. Mm. Ron, don't you think that's fascinating? Like, let's put our sports fans hats on. You know, this this guy's captain aside that's probably admired the world over, definitely admired in this country as one of the most, as one of the most amazing beacons of high performance yet their captain struggled with self-belief um i actually find that quite inspiring you know and i think people listening would be thinking wow you know like 
I can also have doubts, yet I can still be a captain. I can still be a leader. Yeah, and the beauty of it, Tom, and thanks to Kyle and other people like you, is that it's the norm. That's not unusual. Self-belief is not confidence. It's different. Self-belief is having enough something to, to take a step, to take a step in, to take a step forward. That doesn't mean it comes with surety at all. And mm. I think if, if you really want to round out self-belief, I don't think it gets rounded out until you're older. You know, I'm, I'm 48 now. I would say that I'm starting, starting to have self-belief in a mature way for the first time in my life, literally as of a few months ago. And part of it was the two months of slow time that lockdown has given me. Um, I've, I've sort of grown in a strange and unexpected way. And I think the self-acceptance that comes only with age um, is a piece of self-belief that you, can't, you just can't have when you're in your 20s and 30s. Maybe you can, but I think generally it's a hard thing to come across. It just comes with, um, it just comes with not caring quite as much about what people think about you. And I think that's a really important aspect of self-belief that, as I say, it's age-related, I, I think. Mm. Mm. It's definitely, mm. There definitely is an age aspect to it, but that <laughs> I, I try to explain that not caring thing. So there was a lot of me in the last couple of years, um, and Tom, we've spoken about this, about how uh, I went through some serious patches of anxiety. And I actually learned to care a little bit less about the result which eased up and relaxed me so much more into the role and allowed me to enjoy the space a hell of a lot more. And it's, it's, a, very, it's a very difficult thing to explain to somebody where you, you're chatting to a, an 18, 19-year-old boy and he's talking about how intensely he wants it. And I'm trying to tell him, for, for me to have done better, I just needed to care a little bit less. You know? and, and it was about, and again, you have to uh, qualify that by saying it's, it's about how the outcome of it all you know, that's what I cared less about. it. I didn't care if we won or lost. I mean, I, yes, I did, but it was the, sorry, the, the outcome of the result that, that I cared less about. You know, because before that, it was all about worrying about what would happen if I won or lost. Nothing happens if you win or lose, you know. And, and then that allows you to really enjoy what you're doing. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult thing to answer. But, but you're 100% right with the, the fact that with time and you always you often see it in a lot of um i suppose older people where they, they kind of wear whatever they want to they act the way they want to they act the way that's making them happy but you look at them and go how can you act like this i'll tell you what he he just doesn't care you know he's it's, he's got a smile on his face but he's not going to live to the way that you want him to live He's not going to wear what you want him to wear. He wears what makes him uh, comfortable and he does what makes him happy. And that's like you say, for a lot of people that comes with time and, and understanding that you've got to focus in a lot. Just to complete your exercise, Tom, I would have asked Kyle, are you happy and are you enjoying yourself? And knowing Kyle at a certain time in your life, that would have been a no, right? Yeah, big big chunks. Yeah. yeah, big big parts of it were not not happy. Yeah, so this is this is important. Eh? This is really important. That um, I'm going to bring the word joy in here. Tom knows that I rate joy as a concept. 
I don't mean enjoyment. I mean joy. It's a higher bar. And when something is joyful for you, it means you've got a vast proportion of what you're trying to get right, right. So it's a marker. When you can get to joy or when you find that joy is not possible, that, that, that's another message or another learning. But joyfulness is really, really crucial in leadership. Because the opposite is probably downness, fear, anxiety, um, lack of sleep, jumpiness, you know, all of those things. That doesn't make for good leadership if we take this conversation back to wisdom and choice. If those are the things that underpin leadership in my view, which they are in my view, those come from a really steady, joyful state. They don't mm. come from anything else. So, you know, don't pursue joy like it's an indulgence. Pursue joy like it's part of high performance mm. would be my encouragement. Mm. We're starting to run, run short of time and I'm, I'm just enjoying this <laughs> enjoying this, this a lot. Um, so I want to ask three more questions, Ryan, if I can. Carl, come in where you want to. An organizational or team turnaround that you've seen by virtue of a story that came, came as a result of some great leadership choice. Can you tell us a story about that? A turnaround. Mm. Yes, I can. Um, I was a coach uh, doing mental work for a Saks rugby team a long time ago. And there were two coaches that I worked with, three in fact, that just decided that they weren't going to lose anymore. They did not have any extra resources. They just decided by sheer self-will to turn the Saks rugby program around. And why I share that is that it was a lesson in the speed of leadership. And I think there's a learning here for everyone. It's that leadership can be a motivational thing where maybe a whole group of people suddenly go from being low to high. But generally, it's not. Generally, leadership is a game of inches where you, where you just apply yourself daily and take your 1%, half percent uh, over time. Um, so that was a turnaround for me, not in the corporate realm. Um, I can think of it. Would you prefer corporate um, no, example? No, doesn't matter. No, I wanted the okay, first so thing that came to your mind, yeah. Yeah, so, so let's leave it at that and go to question two. I know we are pushing for time <laughs> a little bit. Cool. cool, thank you, great. Um, what can business teach sport and what can sport teach business? Business can teach sport excellence and what do you resource mean by that? Depl- um, so when you are um, being traded on the stock market and you're coming out with earnings reports every quarter, You don't have the choice not to be excellent. You are signing up for excellence and improvement and advancement. Um, And so that rigor of environment that business lives in, um, professional sport lives in that environment, but, but all businesses do by and large. And I think lots of sports teams don't. 
So cool. it's not that sport doesn't have it. It just doesn't have it across the board. What sport can teach uh, business, I think, is, and I'll use the Afrikaans word here, chis, or vibe, or enjoyment, or spirit. And business has signed itself up sometime a long time ago that it was not allowed to be interesting, fun, and show flair. And I think business needs to find its flair in order to meet what sport has in that regard. I love that. Nice. I lo- yeah, I love that. I love both of those answers. Tom, Tom, yeah, it's so it's so interesting. I mean, just driving around today, then I saw, I don't know, some random company, but everything, everybody is one of their sort of key values has excellence, and I often just like I look at it, and I'm like, seriously, I mean, how many people are actually chasing excellence? Where they, you say people have signed up for excellence, but how many have actually? you know, dedicated themselves to making sure that everything that they do, whether it's on a day-to-day basis, through business, through sport, through life, is excellent. Mm. And uh, it was interesting when you said it now, Rowan, I was like, some people are turning this into a real cliche. But um, Mm. when you you put it like that, where, you know, you're getting monitored, yeah, you're getting monitored quarterly and, and, uh, and, and the world, re- I mean, I suppose the, the stock marks and like that react so quickly to how, how you behave and, and the results that you show, then yes, you, you are signing up for excellence. It was just, mm. it was interesting to see the, you know, the average day, Joe that puts his company up there and then excellence. Excellence is one of the mm. first things he has there, but geez, I mean, he's not even hitting 65% yet. Yeah. Mm. I love the, I, I, I did a talk once on, um, on what sport can teach people. What that wasn't the title, but it was like basically I was using a lot of my sporting stuff to a bunch of business owners, and this chap came up to me afterwards and he said, "I really enjoyed your talk, but um, the problem I've got with people who talk about sport and business is that sport practices six days a week and plays one. In business, we're playing all the time. <laughs> so, but I enjoyed your talk, by the way. <laughs> but uh, I think there's something that, that rigor. Uh, you you know you can get away with the odd bad day in practice you know but you you maybe you can't in 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 business so thanks okay your last question you have 60 seconds to give a presentation what is the content of that presentation just give me a qualifier am i is this about leadership or about something else this is the presentation of your life right you've got 60 seconds there's there's a stage you walk on and they the clock starts and yeah you have to decide what's most important to talk about in that 60 seconds yeah great question jeez i love this question i would talk about the value of knowing yourself and how living a life unexamined is a recipe, in my opinion, for absolute disaster. Um, And so any and all effort you put into understanding why you are the way you are and why you act the way you act is the biggest gift you could give yourself, anyone around you, or the world at large. What a vibe. That's the first guest who's actually done it in 60 seconds. I'll have you know that. (laughs) But also the second guess uh, that has mentioned or that has spoken about knowing yourself. Mm, mm, so Eric mm. Eric brought that up uh, a couple of weeks ago also, Ron, and, and was heavy on the point of knowing yourself, knowing yourself, knowing yourself and, and, and mm. examining that world around you. Mm. Right. 
Rowan and um, and and young Sam, who's just come into the picture, your son. Um, thank Hi, you very, thank you very much uh, for your time. I thought, Kyle, I thought that was awesome. It was so so cool to get your pearls of wisdom, and and I'm pretty certain that everyone who's listened to this, I certainly am, is going to walk away trying to answer some of those questions. Um, so thanks very much for your time, and and I love seeing your journey and how you're helping so many people, including myself. So long may it last, and um, long may people be affected by your positive energy. So Shat, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, I really guys. enjoyed I... the uh, the practical tips too, right? I appreciated that. It's uh, it, it really helps make things a lot more implementable in the world around us. Thanks yeah, a lot, it's Brent. a pleasure, guys. Um, I I also just want to say how I enjoy this format and what a a pleasure it is to do i think um you know if we if we go really broad right now um we have a planet that needs leadership and um that's not a trite statement it needs people to find the significantly better version of themselves and to do something with it um Again, please don't take that in the trite way that it might sound, but it's just an encouragement for everyone to use. I mean, we are the product of billions of years of refinement at a DNA level. Like we are magnificent, all of us on this earth. We can do great things. But unless we're willing to take that one little nudgy step forward into something new, then none of it happens and we stay as we are. So you know, I would just encourage anyone listening to this, if there's anything you care about, just go and hunt for it. Hunt it down because it's worthwhile and and we need you, whoever you are, to do that. Awesome. Sure. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Carl. Thank, uh, thank you, Ryan. Okay, guys. Peace and love. Thanks a lot. Okay.